morning, I want to talk to you about moral relativism. And that's, I practice saying that because it's like, it's hard to say. But there's, last week, you remember, we talked about the uncomfortable truth. And sometimes truth can make things uncomfortable for us. Has anybody ever told you something that you knew was true about you, but you were like, you didn't want to admit it, you know, and it's like, you have to just figure out if that's really the right thing or not, and then you know it's the right thing, and then when you know the truth, you've got to figure out what to do with it. It's one thing to know the truth, but it's another thing to look at that truth and to make a decision about the truth if you will adhere or follow the truth, or if you will ignore and contemplate it and hope that it just kind of goes away because it makes you uncomfortable. There's no such thing as a comfortable cross. When Jesus went to the cross, it was uncomfortable because he bore our sins on the cross. But the truth is that we could not be here today and we certainly could not go to heaven if it was not for the sacrifice of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And for that, we are extremely grateful. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning. There's a scripture that says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In Proverbs chapter 23, the things that we think about and the things that we contemplate and the things that we let into our belief system is who we are. And I dare say that we all have a lot of opinions. There's, uh, I'm going to say there's about maybe five or 600 people here today. I think out of the five or 600 people that are here today, we might have like about five or 600 opinions about everything. And aren't you glad that there is the truth? I mean, it brings peace to me to know that I don't have to figure out uh, what God says. I don't have to figure out what the truth really is because he makes it so clear to us. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it's a, it's a little bit of a challenging scripture. It says, now the Spirit speaketh expressly, talking about the Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in latter times some shall depart from the faith. Some will depart. In order, now listen, in order for some to depart from the faith, they had to be in the faith before they could depart from the faith. Y'all with me? But it says in latter times there's going to be deceiving spirits. There's going to be challenges inside of us. And the world is going to challenge our truth. And they're going to challenge the truth of God. And they're going to challenge the relevance of God. And if we're not careful, we will buy into or we will allow the truth to be diluted. Did you know that if the truth is diluted, probably not the truth anymore. That's the reason we have so many different religions, because man wants to get into the truth business. Relativism. There was an airline pilot flying over the southeastern United States, and he called the local, local tower, and he said, we're passing over 35,000 feet. Give us a time check. The tower said, 
well, what airline are you? And the pilot replied, what difference does it make? I just want the time. The tower responded, oh, it makes a lot of difference. If you're Transworld Airline or Pan Am, it's 1,600 hours. If you're United or Delta, it's 4 o'clock. If you're Southwest Airlines, the little hand is on the 4 and the big hand's on the 12. <laughs> If you're Frontier, Spear, or JetBlue Airlines, it's Thursday. <laughs> Page two. Relevance. John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus is talking. How many knows when Jesus talks, you better listen. Jesus says this. He said to those John 8, 31, Jesus said to those Jews who believed him. Okay, get hold of it. He's, getting, he's talking to the Jews that believed him. If, everybody say if. Yeah. This is what he said. If you abide in my word. If you hang out, if this is your place to abide, if you just abide and you stay hooked and you stay faithful, you stay in my word, if you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, Jesus said, you are my disciples indeed. You are my followers if you abide in my word, you're my disciples. If you stay and you stay hooked, and I know I'm overemphasizing it. In verse 32, it says, and you shall know the truth. Well, what a gift. If you abide in me and I in you, you will know the truth. What a deal. Wouldn't it, the most valuable thing that you could ever have in your entire life is nothing more, nothing less than the truth. He said, you abide in me, I abide in you, you stay here to me, you will know the truth. And the truth, so you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Here's how they responded. The truth will make you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. They get, this went right over their head. Everything Jesus said went over their head. They answered, we're Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? This is the, oh, by the, this is the believers. Don't forget who he's talking to. <laughs> he's talking to the believers. Oh, I've been in church all my life. What are you talking about? I'm, I, okay. Jesus answered them, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I'm not talking about your grandpa. I'm not talking about your mama. 
I'm not talking about your preacher. I'm talking about whoever is in sin is a slave to sin. And if you are a slave to sin, then you are in bondage and you need to be set free. Anybody know what sin feels like? It's fun for a minute. But sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll make you pay more than you want to pay. It'll make you stay longer than you want to stay. And it'll take more than you want to give. Sin is a hard task master. And the only reason that God doesn't want you to sin is because he loves you so much that he, he because he knows it's bad for you, even though you may not know that it's bad for you. Oh, you all look at me like you ain't never sinned before. Every one of you like, what you talking about, Willis? We've all sinned, amen? amen. We've all been a slave. Verse 35, and a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. He's saying, if you choose sin, you can't stay in the house forever. But if you're a son, you're going to stay in the house forever, and you're going to enjoy the inheritance of eternal life. Therefore, if the son, if the son, Jesus, makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the Son makes you free, <laughs> you shall be free indeed. There's a lot of contention <laughs> in our world today that atheism is unsustainable and realistically unbelievable. There's a, a journalist, Steve Turner, in his work entitled Creed, sums up the culture that we live in. This is the culture. This is our culture today. He said, we believe in Marx, Freud, and Darwin. We believe that everything is okay. As long as you don't hurt anyone to the best of your definition of hurt. And to the best of your knowledge, we believe in Sex. You're like, did the preacher just say that word? <laughs> yeah. We believe in sex before, during, and after marriage. We believe in the therapy of sin. We believe that adultery is fun. We believe that sodomy is okay. We believe that taboos are, well, they're just taboos. We believe that everything's getting better despite the evidence to the contrary. We believe there's something in horoscopes, witches, UFOs, and in tea leaves. We believe that Jesus was a good man just like Buddha, Muhammad, really like all of us. That he was a good moral teacher, although we believe that his good morals were bad 
We believe that all religions are basically the same, at least the ones that we read about. They all believe in love and goodness. They, they only differ on matters of creation, sin, heaven, hell, God, and salvation. Minimal things. We believe that after death comes nothing because you ask a dead person what happens and they say nothing. If death is not the end, if the dead have lied, then it's compulsory. Everyone goes to heaven except perhaps Hitler, Stalin, and Genghis Khan. We believe what's selected is average. And what's average is, is normal. And what's normal, what's normal is good. We believe in total disarmament. We believe that there are direct links between warfare, guns, and bloodshed. Americans should turn all their guns into the government and the Chinese will follow. We believe that man is essentially good. It's only his behavior that lets him down. <laughs> Honestly, this is the fault of society. And society is the fault of conditions and conditions, well, they're the fault of society. We believe that each man must find the truth that is, well, that's right for him. Reality will adapt accordingly. The universe will readjust, and we believe that there is no absolute truth except for the truth that there is no absolute truth. We believe in the rejection of creeds, doctrine, and creativity of individual thought. Does this sound like clarity or confusion? This is the world we live in. Our politics have bought into this. Our school systems have bought into us. The American way has bought into moral relativism where you do, everybody does what is right in their own eyes. And if it's right for them, who are we to say that it's not right? Who is God to say that it's not right? Because what happens is, is that we have this thing that is called a doctrine of beliefs. And for every society, for every group, there is a list of doctrines. And what doctrine is, it's a belief system that we adhere to as men and women. And whatever doctrinal truth we believe and perceive to be true, if it's true for us, who am I to say that, you, uh, that you're wrong? And consequently, because we believe this, we say, who are you, God, to say that I'm wrong? And so we buy in to this same thing that Adam and Eve bought into in the garden. Uh, the day that you eat of this fruit, that you will become as God. In other words, you will be able to call the shots and you will be able to figure out what is morally true and what is morally correct for you. And God will be up there not being God. He will be up there being, oh, okay, okay, whatever you think, you know, Kesara. Moral absolutes. John 14, 6. This is offensive to people. Jesus told them, he said, I am, I am. Everybody say, I am. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. 
Think about that. I am the truth. I am the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. He's saying except through the way. There's also a scripture that says there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way, the way of death. Have you ever messed up, and after you messed up, you thought, ah, it just seemed like the right thing to do. It seemed right. Now, what happens in our world, in our culture today, is that when we believe that Jesus is the way, that Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, uh, what happens is, is that any other way is not the truth. Any other way is not the life. Any other way is not the way. And then because of that, we become, if we're not careful, we will become intolerant of those who say that we need to be more tolerant. So we can't become intolerant of people, but we must be intolerant of the evil and the seducing spirits that have come into our culture and into our society today. We must love people, but not be confused by the things that they would like to influence us with because that's their truth. Moral relativism and absolute truth, there's a problem with our society, and though it never quite gets to the headline, it's a slowly eroding foundation of our society what is the hidden danger, the menace that is causing inestimable amounts of suffering and moral decay in our society? And it is even infiltrated into the church because even in, in the church world, there's discussion and disagreement about who Jesus is and about the truth of the word of God. Moral relativism the prevail is the prevailing philosophy of our day that teaches there is no absolute truth, that all philosophies, all religions, and all opinions are equally valid, and that there is no way to distinguish one as being morally superior to the others. It is also known by the name of tolerance. It's the philosophy that is taught in our schools and in our media. I completely believe that biblical truth is becoming increasingly intolerant to those who preach tolerance. Biblical truth is becoming increasingly intolerant to those who preach tolerance. In other words, what it really is is selective tolerance. The church and those who believe that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, and Jesus is the life, those who preach tolerance, they are offended and they have even labeled the church as bullies because we don't buy in 
to the deception that it comes from the deluded thinking of this world. I'm going to tell you something. It's time the church, first of all, knew the truth, and then, number two, stood up for the truth. If the church doesn't stand up, we will either stand up for the truth or we'll buy in to what what the world is dictating to us. Now, let me tell you something. Here's a challenging thing. If this kind of preaching is offensive, and it is to a lot of people, What happens with the Holy Spirit, what we've noticed with the Holy Spirit, is that the presence of God brings conviction. Just because you're here today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that most everybody here today, most everybody watching online has been convicted by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit convicts us about something, a, a lifestyle or something that has brought bondage into us, a sin that brought, that took our freedom away, and then the Holy Spirit says, man, this is bad for you. You know, what you're doing, it's, 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 it's detrimental to your eternal destination, and you really need to repent of this thing that I call sin so that you can come into my kingdom and you can have more peace in your life and you can have the freedom that you were created to have because make no mistake, you are created to be free. That's the reason God has blessed America because America was, was the foundation of America was built on the truth and the moral relevance of the word of God. That's the reason God has put his stamp of approval on America. But now, even in Washington, in our school system today, there is an infiltration of evil. And we can say, hey, man, or oh, me, or just me. But see, the conviction, when we're convicted, when other people are convicted because we bring the truth of God in, then they are offended by the truth Either they will be offended or they will repent, just like you today. Say, for instance, if you get convicted about something I'm preaching about, God's never going to leave you the way, the same way that he found you. (laughs) Come on with me. I said God's never going to leave you the same way that he found you. Well, you can't come into the presence of God and leave the same God, you'll either run to God or you'll run from God. You will either repent or you'll be offended. You ever walk out of church offended? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise, no. (laughs) But there's only really two choices. You're either offended by the word of God or you repent and you get right. You either fall into the trap of bondage or you repent and experience freedom. That's what Jesus was saying. Oh, goodness, I got so far to go. <laughs> hey, hold it down out there. <laughs> I'm trying to think here. (laughs) Here's what tolerance says. Tolerance says there is nothing that is true everywhere, and everything is true somewhere. Tolerance says you can just make up whatever you want to make up. 
because it is an intellectually bankrupt, morally bankrupt, and completely anti-Christian philosophy that pulls the very foundation of our society out from underneath us. Many of us have learned the hard way that sooner or later there are direct consequences when you build a house without a foundation. The source we use for truth and instruction in our lives will either lead us to clarity or it will trap us in confusion. And the scripture teaches us that God is not the author of confusion. And so what we say is if there's confusion in our lives, that's not God. And our world and our culture is ate up with confusion because there's so many different ideas out there and God's not up there confused. He's not up there saying, man, I never thought of that. I don't, well, good idea. Let's just, well, let's go with that one today. No, that's not God. God has a foundation of truth. And for me, I'm grateful that somebody has the truth and I can follow in the footsteps of Jesus knowing that I have the freedom that he has set me free from the sin and the bondage and the traps of this evil generation where I can stand up and say, I am a child of God and I'm so thankful that I can have the peace of God in me even though there might be some storms in life and the devil you know this he's working overtime on you he's working overtime on me he's working overtime on marriages on, on relationships he's bringing depression into people but I'm telling you God wants you to be free yeah. and you know what sets you free it's, it's the truth the truth, the truth will set you free. And if there is no absolute truth in spiritual matters, we are forced to accept contradictory truths in civil matters. If our world and our government, which they have, our government has bought into immorality. And many of these uh, political parties, their platforms are have embraced the things that God has called sin and they have called evil good and good evil. And the reason they do that is because they want to get the votes of the people who don't understand the truth and they buy into the relativism of our society and there is no moral foundation and so they just want the votes of people who are confused and they want to go into more bondage because sin brings bondage and b believe you me our nation will fall back into bondage and it will become a communist nation but it's up to the church to understand what true freedom is and shed the light and the path so we can follow Jesus because he is the way, he is the truth, he is the life, he is the way, the truth, the life, the way, the truth, the life. He is everything to us. Second Timothy 3.16, it says all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. So this, this is where the, the devil starts. He starts to bring doubts into the scripture. Because Jesus said, I am, uh, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God, which is Jesus. And the word became flesh 
Jesus became flesh, dwelt among men. It says all scripture that God ordained and God breathed the truth into the hearts of these prophets and, and they wrote down the inspired word. That's what, the, that's what it means. It means God breathed. He breathed his words into the, those prophets and he said, this is my con the context of the Holy Scripture, the context of... Now, everybody wants to add to it and everybody wants to take away from it, but I'm going to tell you something. It, it, it says in Revelation at the, at the last... At the last... I don't know if it's the last verse. I just thought of this deal. But it says anybody that adds to and takes away from this book that he will blot their name out of the Lamb's book of life. That's strong words, isn't it? We can't be adding to and taking away from what God has ordained to be the Holy Scripture. All Scripture, everybody say all Scripture. All Scripture, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That means he's God-breathed and is profitable it's profitable. How many likes a profit? Anybody been in business long enough that you like to have a profit every month? It is profitable for doctrine, for what you believe, for reproof, for correction, for instruction unto righteousness, that the man of God, the woman of God, may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And then and I love in John 17, 17, John, Jesus prayed for us. Would you like to hear the prayer that Jesus prayed for you? Would you like to hear that? I would. I like it. John 17, 17. Here's what he said. He said, sanctify them by the truth. The holiness of God comes from the word of God. And Jesus is the word of God. And Jesus prayed to the Father to sanctify them by the truth. And then he said, your word is the truth. So when, when we know the word of God and we value the word of God, the greatest thing that we could ever invest in is the truth of the word of God. Jesus said that he would pray that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. The Bible says this, and I've, this, this has always been kind of a little bit of a challenge for me to wrap my head around. But he said that the church, when we accept Christ as our personal Savior, he said that the church is the bride of Christ. In other words, the church is what is married to Jesus. Now, that's hard for us guys to comprehend because we're like, I ain't no bride. <laughs> well, yeah, you are. <laughs> if you belong to Jesus, you're the bride of Christ. When, when Dara and I first got married, I mean, I, I didn't get married till I was 33. And, and I, I mean, it was like, when I finally got married, I was just like ecstatic about it. I mean, I was just, I mean, it's, it was just, I was just excited. Somebody loved me enough to marry me. You know what I mean? That's a real gift. But after we got married, then the reality of the responsibility, something kicked in right there. That I was responsible 
to her to provide for her, to help, help her as a helpmate, but also that we were to become one flesh and that, that, that we would become a unit that would be a blessing to the kingdom of God. And, and Dara come from a different background. She didn't come from a church background. So it was a real challenge for her. I mean, we, we only, we only, we, I met her coming down to a rodeo here at, at the at Houston Livestock Show. And I was living in Colorado. It's a long distance relationship. In fact, this, I don't recommend anybody do this. But it was like the sixth time I saw her, she was walking down the aisle to be my wife. The sixth time. 35 years later, they said it never worked, but, but by the grace of God, we're still together. And it hasn't been easy, but it's sure been worth it. It's sure been it worth it. There's been challenges along the way. But my point is, my point is, is that the excitement of being married was one thing, but the responsibility of being married was another thing. It's easy to accept Jesus as your personal Savior. But it's a whole new thing to accept responsibility for the relationship that we have with Jesus. You are God's only plan to reach this world that we live in. The church, you're the church. And you say, well, preacher, you're trying to put me on a guilt trip? Heavens, no. Because you, you, oh, man, I got I to tell, I tell you, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a horse trainer. I can train horses. And I've seen guys that trained horses and jerked them around and whipped them and made them do things. And some cowboys, they, they think that they're horse trainers, but they're just, they just beat them horses into submission, make them think that I'm the boss. You know how long them horses last? Not very long. You can't trust them. But when you can instill in a horse to love what he's doing, he'll last a lifetime. That's what Jesus wants to do for you. He wants to instill in you a love that will last for a lifetime. He took the beaten, so you don't have to. Amen. Wouldn't that make you fall in love with somebody that he did so much for us when he went to the cross for us so that we could have peace in our lives? And then don't go to work for Jesus because the preacher's up here telling you you need to volunteer for Rodeo Bible Camp. <laughs> See, I just kind of eased into that. <laughs> Do it because you want to. Get it in your heart how much God loves you and how much God is for you. He's not against you. Your commitment to God is not just about walking down the aisle and saying a few words and then going off and doing your own thing. I'm sorry, that just doesn't work in God's kingdom. When you accept Christ as your personal Savior, you belong to him, and it's not, it's not about what you want any longer. It's about what God wants for you. However, I'll say this, that God put in you the things that he has gifted you with, 
And he's gifted you with the things that he's gifted you with for his purpose. And you will enjoy what you do well so much more when you do it for him than you have because you just did it for yourself out of your own greed. Anybody with me so far? Talking about the truth. I'm, I'm talking about not the world's relativism, whatever that is. But I'm talking about having peace and accepting that responsibility because that increases the peace inside of us. Amen? You're the bride of Christ. What that means is that he chose you and you chose him. And it's a great relationship. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Thanks for caring for us. Thank you for being our Savior. I thank you, Lord, that you are more than enough for every situation that we find ourselves in. Help us, Lord, to be faithful to you, faithful to your word, faithful to the truth. Lord, that we would not allow the truth to be diluted in our hearts or our minds in any way, shape, or form, that we would be followers of you and a part of your kingdom, that we would be your bride and that you would be, you would be proud of us in your kingdom. I'd like for you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just a second. This morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, the truth is that we've all sinned. I mean, I get up here and preach, <clears throat> and make no mistake, I've sinned, I've sinned myself. And, and, and I'm not proud of it, and I don't like it, but we live in a fallen world, and I need to ask God to forgive me throughout the week. So accepting him as your personal savior doesn't mean that you're perfect. What that means is, is that you've invited Christ to come into your life and he's gonna help you navigate through life and the things that bring bondage to you, he's going to help you gain freedom from those things that tear you down and separate you from him. So we've all sinned and we've all come short of the glory of God. But the Bible also says this, that if we would confess our sin, that he'd be faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We must choose God. God has chosen you. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to a place of repentance. For God so loved the world that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So the, 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 the lot is left into each one of our hands. Will we accept him because he's already accepted us? So this morning, if you've never accepted him as your personal savior, maybe if you have and you just haven't been living for him, simply by raising your hand, say, preacher, I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. We want to put a Bible in your hand. Anybody, preacher, that's me. I need Jesus in my heart. I need to make him the Lord of my life. Slip your hand up high. Anybody? Yep, back in the back. Leave your hand up, please, until we get a Bible in it. Thank you. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Don't be ashamed. It's the greatest gift it's the greatest gift you'll ever have in your life, the gift of eternal life. I can't give it to you, but Jesus can. Anybody else? Preacher, that's me. Anybody? Back in the back, if you raise your hand, would you look up at me? Would you mind coming up and let me pray with you? I'll wait on you if you'll come up and let me pray. I'd be honored to pray with you. Yeah, thank you, partner. I'm proud of you. Yeah, thank you. Beautiful. Beautiful. It's the greatest privilege known to mankind is to have a personal relationship. It's a personal relationship with Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. Look at you. Yeah, God's good to us. I'm so proud of you. Tell me your name again. Eric. 
Yeah, Derek. How are you? you hey, yes. Do you want to accept Jesus too? Or do you, okay. Well, let's do this. Is this your daughter? Yeah. Ah, beautiful. Beautiful. A great deal. I want to pray with y'all. Okay? Can I pray with you? Here's what the Bible says. It says, if we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our heart that God's raised him from the dead, that Jesus is alive because he's the one that has power over death and he brings relationships and heals relationships. The relationships that's, that's died in our lives, he can resurrect those relationships. He, that's what he does. We have to participate. So I want to help you pray. So if you just repeat after me, um, I'm going to help you invite Jesus to come into your heart. Can we do that? Y'all help us pray. Just, just say, Dear Lord Jesus, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for dying on the cross. For my sins. For my sins. Lord, I am a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my heart. I invite you into my life. I invite you into my life. From this day forward. From this day forward. I give my life to you. Help me to read my Bible, to pray, show up for church, and get baptized. I love you, Jesus. Teach me to love you more. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now look here. Look, look at, you're going to have the same problems you had when you came, but you got help. You got help now. And we tell people all the time, you got to keep showing up so we can help you. Church doesn't save anybody. No, no. What it does, it just helps us to get to know Jesus better. No, no. Is that a deal? Yeah. All right. I love you. Hey, go visit these guys for just a second, if you don't <laughs> mind. Thank you. Love you. Thank you. you. Stand with me, please. I don't think we could ever, ever value the Word of God too much. You with me? I mean, the greatest gift is the Word of God. And too many times, us preachers up here, we're going like, read your Bible, read your Bible, read your Bible. I can't, I can't instill that in, in, in anybody. But when we love the Word of God, what that means is that we love God. Because God is the Word. And I just, does anybody need to do a better job of loving the Word and loving God? I think we all do that. Let's all raise our hands because I think we could all do better. Amen. I want to pray for you. Lord, help us, Lord, to value the word, to value the truth. Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, every day to get a little bit of the word in us, Lord, because we understand that the mud slinging of the world can, can get on us, oh God. But your word can cleanse us and purge us from all unrighteousness. I thank you, Lord, that your word is living and powerful. Lord, we thank you that as we, as we uh, digest the word, that that power comes into us and that strength to overcome issues in our lives. And, and it gives us wisdom to know how to, to do, uh, do life, how to do business, how to have relationships with our, with our family, oh God, and with our neighbors. And, and that you give us that wisdom through your word. And when we ask the questions, how does this apply to me, that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, that you said that you would teach us all things. And so we surrender and we submit to you, to your word, and to everything that you stand for, dear Lord. And I pray, oh God, that you would convict us, Lord, where the moral relativism of this 
world has tried to infiltrate into our hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us divine revelation, Lord, and help us to repent of the infiltration of this world so that we could be completely true to the truth of your word and we would have a moral foundation that is unshakable. Thank you, Lord, for your people. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. We love y'all. God bless you so much. Come back next week. Bring somebody with you.